The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, welcome in to the Leach Report for Tuesday. Normally, a game day, but... Excuse me, I had to cough. The uh, game this week's on Wednesday. Uh, seemed like the last few years, everything midweek was a Tuesday game. Anyway, no game tonight. It'll be Kentucky and Vandy tomorrow, so we'll talk a little bit about that uh, tomorrow. Uh, this is that uh, stretch we talked about a few weeks ago when Kentucky was going to have, I think, four out of six on the road. So the fourth of the six, uh, the fourth road game of the six coming up Saturday at Alabama. Coming up today, we'll talk Kentucky basketball and more. Kent Spencer from WHAS-TV. Larry Vaught and John Wong. And uh, John was out in Lawrence, Kansas, and then also stopped in Kansas City to cover the Bengals and the Chiefs. So uh, he and uh, Keith Farmer, I know from LEX 18, the the only two local media folks that I'm aware of that made the doubleheader. And so we'll talk to him about that. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. Kentucky shot all the way up to number five in the AP rankings. It was more of a jump than I expected. Uh, They went seven spots. In the coaches' poll, they moved up six spots from 13 to seven. And I have to think that maybe it's related to something we talked about on the show yesterday, I believe, with Kyle Tucker, that Kentucky had legitimate excuses for losses to LSU when Wheeler went out and then later Washington, and then the loss at Auburn when they were playing so well early until Washington went down. But you don't get as much credit, I don't think, for that until you have a quality win or two. And so when you go out and beat Kansas by 18 in Allen Fieldhouse, then I think people kind of go back and look, well, they easily could have wanted Auburn and should have wanted LSU. And so, you know, if they did, where would we have them ranked? And, I just think all that kind of factors into the thinking and um, could also uh, help come Selection Sunday for the Wildcats if things keep going well. Um, latest bracketology, and again, always just for discussion. Uh, Mike, of course, he's with us on Friday. He does it for Fox. This is uh, the bracketology uh, from Joe Lenardi. comes out earlier in the week, multiple times actually, but first and uh, one of this week is out, and uh, Joe has moved Kentucky up from a three to a two, number seven overall in his seating. So I think it's, uh, there's, you look at the, all of these things that are happening and it's legitimate case that Kentucky could be a one seed. Um, they don't have a lot of margin for error, but I think it's, it's possible. Um, and, uh, very possible actually, if uh, they get a little help somewhere teams above them. And then, uh, I think probably at worst a two seed, um, unless they have, you know, a little more trouble than I'm expecting down the stretch. They could take a couple of losses. I mean, everybody's going to lose a, a game or so along the way. Um, last night, John Calipari on the weekly radio show, uh, no great news was broken. He just uh, talked about how well this team has practiced. They have not had a bad practice. He always says those are, that's a hallmark of his best teams. He says this group's becoming empowered, and he's 
Some, he's talked a lot about listening to the outside or not listening to the outside clutter that comes in for these players. Uh, you know, there's all the social media, obviously, but just you know their their family and, and friends and those kinds of things that can get into somebody's head. You know, you uh, you have a good game, you have a bad game, and uh, you're uh, somebody close to you is uh, in your ear talking about, you know, you need more shots or you need this or uh, he needs to play you more, et cetera, all of the things that Calipari wants them to tune out and stay focused on their group. Uh, now he's talked last night about uh, using the Nick Saban term rat poison when things go really well and all the praise. and uh, So anyway, he's pounding away at that message um, right now with his guys. A couple of other notes. Out of the show last night, uh, five different players are averaging in double figures. And the last time that happened, according to UK Sports Information, was the 2012 championship team. And Kentucky has, as we mentioned yesterday, four different guys that have scored at least 25 in a game. Probably Kellen Grady will do it at some point as well. Calipari said that's what he likes to see in his uh, teams. His best teams have that because he wants, you know, you get into an NCAA tournament and the other team's focusing on uh, the guy who's been hot for you or the guy they think uh, is the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. They focus on that player or two. You've got other guys that can have a big game like Keon Brooks did. Uh, Eric Wofford made it official yesterday. He is moving on to Alabama as the O-line coach for the Crimson Tide after just one season in Lexington. So Mark Stoops uh, needs to find himself a new O-line coach. Uh, A few awards notes. Uh, Oscar Shibway named to the late season top 20 for the Wooden Award. And he also won the Naismith Trophy's National Player of the Week Award. Keon Brooks won SEC Player of the Week, fourth different Wildcat to receive that honor this season. And Xavier Wheeler, one of ten finalists for the Bob Cousy Award. Tyler Eulis, the only other point guard from Kentucky to make it to that final ten. And Ryan Howard is on the Wooden Award's late season top 20. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our Wildcat News of the Day is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. When the pandemic hit uh, and then things started to get a little better, they put in uh, or expanded their patio to make it climate controlled. So they added more space to uh, get people spaced out a little bit. And it's just a wonderful place to enjoy uh, your dinner with the live jazz music that is featured at Giuseppe's each and every night of the week. Go to GiuseppesLexington.com to uh, check out the menu. Make your reservation on Open Table. Valentine's Day is coming up. Make sure you're set. Giuseppe's of Lexington will be right back with Ken Spencer. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. 16 past the top of the hour here on the Leach Report as we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And we welcome in Kent Spencer from WHAS-TV in Louisville. We'll uh, start with the Kentucky basketball team and uh, not only just what they did at Kansas, what they've uh, done really since early December after that loss up at Notre Dame. Um, how are, are you surprised that they are where they are now from where they were then? Yeah, I mean, if you would have had, if you would have told me that you know at this point in you know February first that they were going to be fifth in the country, 
after what we saw up in South Bend at Notre Dame, I probably would have told you you were crazy. But, you know, sometimes, and I always think, you know, you you go back, you know, at some point, um, Kellen Grady, you know, kind of said that was, that game for them was, was the moment. That whatever was, whatever they were doing wasn't working. But they also kind of understood, you know, what they needed to do. They completely changed, I think, the way that they played, you know, from that game. Um, and, you know, the one thing that I take away from this team is, yeah, they play fast. Yeah, they shoot fast, but they share the ball. And it really is about them trying to get, you know, the best shot available. Um, and it really doesn't matter. I think one of the things that you have to, when you look at this team is, you know, they've got four players that have gone for 25 or more in a, in a single game. You know, that's so rare. You know, like, um, if you look at some of the other, you know, good teams in the country and, and how they're doing and some of the other best players in the country, I mean, you know, if you look at Wisconsin, you know, if they've got more than one guy that's gone for 25 or more, I, I bet Johnny Davis is probably it, you know. Um, you know, for Kentucky to have, you know, four of those guys, and by the way, one of those guys, not Grady. You know, oh, I said that yesterday. That, what were the odds about that, Ben? What'd you say? I'm sorry. I said I said that yesterday. What were the odds of that have been if you had said you know in December that Kentucky by February first will have four guys with twenty five or more and none of them named Grady? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I mean, he's been around twenty a couple times. You know, but but never never at twenty five. I just think that that shows you how much the team has grown. Uh, absolutely, um, and that's. Calipari said last night his best teams uh, have that typically. The uh, 2012 team, I remember I was <clears throat> tracking that because they had five different guys that had scored 20 or more. Uh, and One of them was Darius Miller off the bench. And then I think it was the second game of the tournament, Marcus Teague went for 24. So they had six guys that had scored uh, 20 or more in uh, in that season. And Calipari says you know he, he likes it because uh, it, keeps the opponent and you get into postseason play of, of just locking in on one guy um you cover uh, the trainers getting their horses ready for the derby uh, each year and let's see if you um go with me on this analogy I, i've come to what in watching calipari he reminds me of a derby trainer in that you know, it's, you know, they get one shot with each horse. He gets essentially one shot with each team because it's so new every year. And there are trainers like Carl Nasker, Charlie Whittingham over the years that uh, there's just two to come to mind. Other guys do this, that pick a spot and then lay out a plan to get their horse to peak on that spot. And, you know, it's first Saturday in May for the Derby. Other guys kind of manage their horses. They're, they want to try to avoid ever having, you know, a loss and, and just having a, the most – perfect record the horse can have or you know stallion prospect but nasker whittingham are guys that they don't care about you know taking a loss if they're learning something from it or experimenting to try to learn what gets the horse to perform at its best and that seems to be what calipari does he'll you know with the, the early season games it usually takes him a while to figure out the best way for each of his teams to play well I, and you know you're right because not only does he have to figure out, you know, the, the, the ultimate picture is how do you fi- figure out the team, right? Mm-hmm. But you also have to figure out each individual player. And then you have to place them in spots that maximizes what your team can be. Um, and, you know, I, there's only been a few years at Kentucky 
And it, and I can't imagine how hard it is. Like it, that's got to be like really, really hard to do. There's only been a few years, and and Waldo was one of those. You know, last year was one of those years where where he didn't do it. You know, most of, most of the time, and you'll see this. Uh, I think people like you know, you'll see fans sometimes around and you know whether that's you know late November or whether that's early December, and you know they'll you know I'll get asked about it and I'll be like, look, I. I mean, he figures it out every year. I just assume he's going to figure it out at some point, you know. And sometimes it happens sooner rather than you know, sooner rather than later. Sometimes it you know it happens you know a lot later. I mean, I think you know you kind of go back to to the the Harrison twins and Julius Randle. I mean, their first year, look, they didn't figure it out really until the SEC tournament, and then next thing you know, boom, they take off and they make it all the way to the national championship game. Um, so I mean, it's. You know, it is, he, he has a, he has a formula that, that he sticks with, but that formula changes because the makeup of his team changes every year. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, um, very, very much true. Let's, uh, shift gears a little bit to, uh, another uh, team you cover, L looking for a coach now. Um, what's your read on the situation? I'll ask you that to begin with. This is just, this is for me. This is just an educated guess. Um, if I was if I was handicapping this thing, and I would say who's the favorite going to be, I think it's Kenny Payne. Um, I think you know. For me, I think Kenny Payne ultimately gets the job. Um, and and in particular, honestly, Tom, like if it's, if they make a hire sooner rather than later, it's definitely going to be Kenny Payne because everybody else that they're they're going to be looking at her. Our head coaches at other places. Another guy that I would say don't sleep on that may have some interest, um, you know, and that's just that's just my guess is uh, Mick Cronin, who's a, who's currently at UCLA, but he's a Midwest guy. He was at Cincinnati forever. He's an assistant at Louisville under Rick Pitino, um, you know, and he's done a he's done a great job with with UCLA's program out there. But but I wouldn't sleep on. But I do think, like, ultimately when the hire is made, it's going to be Kenny Payne. He's got so much support um, from former players. You know, he's had the likes of, you know, his, his boss now with the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, Rick Pitino's come out, Dick Vitale's come out. Like, all these people have come out kind of endorsing him for the job. Um, and sometimes that, that kind of stuff is tough to ignore. Do you think it helps Kenny's chances that uh, Duke and Carolina – since the last time Louisville was in the market for a coach, um, hired guys that didn't have head coaching experience to run programs at that level? You know, I don't know. Because, you know, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, the job or, or um, the hire of Hubert Davis is yet to be played out, right? Like, he gets the job, but Carolina is really not Carolina right now. You know, they're not in the top 25. They're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. So I think the jury's a little bit out on that. And then, you know, obviously Shire has, has signed, you know, a really, really good, um, recruiting class. But, you know, he was, he was with Kay for a while before he, you know, he ultimately got that job. So I don't know if it, I don't know if it, it, you know, I don't know if it helps him at, at you know, at all. Um, I know, I, I think the the one thing that helps Kenny is obviously, you know, the, you know, everybody, you know, will point to the fact that he played at U of L and, and won a title for him at 86. But I think, you know, he has so much respect for how he handles kids, um, in the business 
But I think that 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 helps even plus, you know, look, when you've got, you know, guys like Daryl Griffiths and and all of those guys going to bat for you and Butch Beard, um, you know, with the administration, with the board of directors right now, that can never hurt. The other thing, Kenny, uh, sometimes when you make that move, you're, you know, more of a... uh, uh, media spotlight. That's, that's an adjustment to, you know, be, be there in the line of fire, so to speak. But, you know, Kenny, uh, was in, uh, you know, in this program where the, the light is, is the brightest. And he did enough, uh, sessions where he filled in for Cal on radio shows and things that I think fans really came to, uh, enjoy, you know, Kenny and his, the, the way he handled himself, very candid. Media people probably found them the same way, so I think he uh, would be really comfortable, you know, at, at that part of it. Uh, at, you know, obviously the basketball part's uh, the no, no a no brainer, but just the other things that go along with being a head coach. I just, you know, I think he'll be exceptionally good at it when he gets his shot. And and, and ultimately, Tom, when, when you talk about the Louisville basketball job, you know, and and it's so similar to you know Kentucky or North Carolina, you know, and Kansas and all that stuff, like. If you're hiring a basketball coach and that guy comes in and says, I just want to be a basketball coach, I I can almost guarantee you it's not going to work <laughs> because those jobs are more than that. Yes, they are. Um, you know, ultimately you have to win games, and that's the biggest thing. But, you know, that job, you have to understand that it's so much more than that and that you represent so much more than that, and you have to be able to embrace that. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things about – you know, if, if Kenny gets the Louisville job, I think he does. I think he completely understands that. But you have to win basketball games. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's also a job. Those kind of jobs are also like you got to understand that you have to really want that and embrace it. You know, when you yes. look back Good point. At, the, at Chris Mack's time at Louisville, you know, I think at Xavier, I think he wanted the challenge, right? Like I, I do, like when he got the job and he took the job, I think he really wanted that job. But at some point, and I don't think it took a, lo- a long time into his first season, um, I think he looked around and he said, you know what, I don't really, I know that I want, I said I wanted this, I don't really know that I like it. It's not fun. Yeah. And so Can't, I think that run. kind of doomed him from jump. Yeah. Thank you much. See you, buddy. Ken, Ken Spencer, WHS-TV, we'll be right back on the Leach Report Radio Network. Halfway home on this edition of the Leafs Report. Uh, i got a quick turn right here. We'll get Larry Vaught and then John Wong when we come right back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. We're coming to you from the Clark's Puppet Shop Studio in Lexington. Return, refresh, and refuel. And when you stop in to fuel up at Clark's, the ones that have Clark's Cafe, head on inside. They have fantastic breakfast sandwiches and uh, fried chicken for lunch, things you can take home, too. Uh, you'll find those at the Clark's Cafes at Clark's Pump and Shops. There's a new, fairly new one in downtown Lexington right across from Rupp Arena where Larry Vaught, Jack Pilgrim, Anthony White do the Sunday morning sports talk show here. Lexington and Larry joins us now from votsviews.com and yoursportsedge.com. Uh, Larry, you've seen a lot of Kentucky basketball performances as, from your time as a student and then in the media. Um, where uh, did this one rank, if you think about it in those terms, with the win at Kansas? 
I, it's got rank way up there, Tom, considering the quality of opponent that, that you're playing and the atmosphere that you're playing in to go and just dominate by, by that margin was very, very impressive. I think I don't think anybody could have expected that. I, I thought Kentucky had a, a, a chance to win, but I never, ever imagined they could just go in and dominate a game the way they did from start to finish and just really just make it look easy the whole time. Yeah, they got off to a good start at Auburn until Ty Ty got hurt. They were up nine and um, then had to play without both guards down the stretch when they were up nine at LSU in the midway through the second half. I was saying earlier, see if you agree, that the reason, one of the reasons maybe Kentucky shot up was, number one, how well they played, but then that made those other games, you know, the, the argument that Kentucky might have won them with those players in the game, it made that argument stronger when you saw how good they looked with everybody healthy. Yeah, I think Bill Self made that argument for Kentucky after the game. I mean, man, he was full of praise for Kentucky and said some things that really kind of stood out to you when you when he talked about how much more athletic Kentucky was than than his guys. And I'd never really expected people to be talking about this Kentucky team being so physical and just out roughing up people and stuff like that. That's not kind of what I thought this team would be, but they took such a big, big step forward. And, and that, now, in fairness, when you get, what was it, 38, 39 points out of Keon and Jacob Toppin, I'm not sure many teams in the country will beat Kentucky that on those nights that happens. Yeah, get that many out of that, uh, that spot. Um, this team seems to be the the perfect tonic for Kentucky fans for uh, during last season, um, with not only is the how the season went, but you know COVID and everything else, to have a team that uh, just runs, 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 uh, you know, averaging in the eighties uh, uh, that uh, shoots it really well, um, twos and threes. But I mean, they they just they it's a team full of guys that can shoot. And then they uh, just seem to enjoy playing so much and uh, playing together. Yeah, you don't want to just pile on last year's team, but it it seems like last year's team was everything Kentucky fans didn't like. And this year's team is everything the Kentucky fans do like. I think a lot of it obviously starts with, with Oscar and just his personality and the way he's played and just nonstop energy. But Ty Ty seems to always have so much fun out there. Grady plays under control so well and always says and does the right things. Wheeler is just a lot of fun to watch. And then a game like Brooks had, but they just all seem to really understand their roles and do them so well. And I think I really like the way that Kentucky fans are, I think, finally appreciating even just what a guy like Lance Ware does to have to be Oscars backup and know you're only going to play if he's in foul trouble or if he's tired, but to come in and do as well as what he's done lately, I think is a big, big deal. I thought Saturday when John took Oscar out after he got a first foul and just took him out and he got, I think it was, what, four minutes out of Lance and Kentucky just stayed right where they were and kept going. I thought that was a pretty pivotal moment because that way you didn't take a chance on Oscar getting that second early foul, maybe derailing everything you did. So the way that Lance has came in, even that, I think has just been really huge for this team. Gives him the confidence to coach, the confidence then to keep doing that too. If Oscar you know, picks up an early foul, just uh, 
you know, get him out of there and, and uh, keep it from being two quick ones. Yeah, because the one thing you don't want is you don't want Oscar in foul trouble because when, when he's out there, he is such a dominant force. I mean, I, I don't know how, about you and Mike, but I just never thought I, I would get to watch a, a Kentucky game where when a guy you talk about, he only has 13 or he only has yeah. 15 rebounds tonight. And just kind of because he set the bar so high for himself that when he gets more than what we've seen anybody else do recently, we're still using that word only in front of it now. It's uh, it is fun to watch. I mean, there was a sequence the other night where he was battling with three Kansas players and uh, ended up uh, getting two offensive rebounds and finally scoring. Um, that one got a lot of play, but I mean, you just see it multiple times throughout every game where he just you know there's there's a crowd of people and Oscar kind of goes in and just kind of snatches the ball, whether it's from his own teammates or the opponents. It's like that's mine. Yeah, and he does it so well. I mean, I, I still got tickled the other day when he was doing one of the pregame press conferences. I think it was the pregame press conference was talking about Dante Allen. He said, he just tells Dante just to shoot. Don't worry about it. If you miss, that's my ball. I mean, that's just the way that he – it just must be fun to have a guy like that on the team and know that when he tells you that, he means it. Yeah, he does. he really does. Uh, and I think, you know, momentum is building for him in concert with – uh, the momentum building for you know national attention for the team that's only got to help his chances of uh, winning a national player of the year award yeah absolutely when you're on a team that is this good and you're putting up the numbers like what he is it, it just kind of goes hand in, in hand with how the people look at you like that and it, it's just hard right now to see who you would vote for at this point for national player of the year other than him just based on the numbers that Oscar is put up there, and he's getting it's like every day getting nominated for another, or making the final list for another award, and, and he should be because it's just phenomenal what he is is doing, and I, we just have to enjoy it because I don't know what he'll do, whether he'll be back next year, what he will or won't do, but it's just a, been a fun, fun year to watch. And again, I think I can't tell you how many people I run into that keep telling me. This is my favorite Kentucky team ever. I really love this team. They're so much fun to watch. And you just what, hear those comments time after time. I'm sure you do, too. What What is it that you hear that, uh, or is there a common theme other than just being fun to watch? What makes them fun to watch? Is What are you hearing? I, I think what you alluded to to start with is the fact that they get out and run, but I think also the fact that they just seem to, to get along so well with each other and just are having fun out there as a team. And then they all seem to just say the right things about Kentucky basketball, about Kentucky fans, and the history of the program. I don't know whether somebody's settled down; they have class every day to go over all this, or whether it's just you just get one of these years where everybody just kind of gets it. And I, and and then let's let's don't be naive. But I mean, when you win, you're a lot more lovable too. <laughs> yes, yes, that is uh, very much uh, the case, and. Uh... You know, now it's uh, they've we, we've seen you know kind of what they can what they can be when they are hitting on all cylinders and, and actually probably not even all cylinders because Ty Ty wasn't fully healthy I don't think but um, you know now they uh, there's probably a little confidence that comes with that when it's one thing to kind of go in with the attitude you want to make a statement and then it's another to actually do it. Yeah, absolutely, and they made such a huge, huge statement. I guess at a place where very few people could could ever make that kind of statement. You just don't expect that. 
I mean, you're just hoping to maybe go in there and get out with any kind of win and just to dominate a team and just, I mean, you could just tell they had Bill Self just <laughs> gushing with his, with his praise. And I think he was very honest. He said, let's just don't talk about what we didn't do. Let's just talk about what, what they did do because he said, they just dominated us. And I think it was kind of refreshing to hear a coach admit that, that wasn't anything his team did that they just couldn't handle Kentucky on that on that given night. And I'm not sure anybody in the country could have touched Kentucky last Saturday. One last quick question. Uh, you uh, wrote uh, at vaudsviews.com. You now have come to feel you don't think we'll see Shaden Sharp play. No, I don't. I think with the, with the way that Kentucky is playing and then just John just talking after the game the other night about different things and different players and never even mentioned anything about Shaden Sharp and you could, and it just seemed like in his mind his rotation is set. He knows what he wants to try to do to get these other three guys to where he can use them if he needs them. It just sounded to me like a coach that in his mind he knows what he's got and that's how he's going forward with it. So I've swung over for the first time to the, to the belief that we're not going to see Shaden play this year. Larry Vaught, thank you much. All right, Tom. You can read that story at vaultsviews.com and all the other U.K. coverage at yoursportsedge.com. John Long, when we come back on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Back into our show for this Tuesday and one day ahead of game day. Uh, for listeners to the show in the Louisville market, uh, a new client we have is Stretch Zone of Louisville, and they're uh, doing a uh, giveaway of a weekly stretch session for a month. Caller number one right now, 571-1080 in Louisville. It's just uh, you have to be in the Louisville area to take advantage of this. But uh, call Shannon right now, 571-1080. First caller will uh, get the chance to try out the stretch zone of Louisville. Uh, John Wong joins us now from Wong's Winings and JustTheCats.com. Uh, John, you made the doubleheader. Uh, went to Allen Fieldhouse and then to Arrowhead Stadium. And the two teams that you cover both won. Um, Bengals were, I think, certainly the biggest upset, but... Uh, nobody saw the Wildcats winning by 18 if they uh, were going to win at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, What was the weekend like? (laughs) Man, Tom, I may not ever fully recover from that because if you remember, just last week I was 13 seconds away from having to go up to Buffalo. (laughs) The Bills and the Chiefs were were playing in that instant classic, and I don't think you would have found anybody cheering more than me for Kansas City to win. So when they scored in overtime, it kind of set me up for what I, I call this weekend of my dreams. And a lot of my media colleagues and friends have told me I should just go ahead and retire right now because it's going to be hard for me to top what I experienced this weekend. Two huge upset wins by teams that I cover on the biggest stage imaginable and in two of the most historic venues in, in sports. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that, does it? I don't think so, and uh, folks got to follow along with the kind of the uh, barbecue across America tour as you were tweeting out where you were eating. <laughs> yeah, whenever I, I go to these places, it just comes as part of the job. you got to try what the natives eat, the brisket, the burnt ends, pork ribs. That was fantastic. But I've always wanted to go to Allen Fieldhouse. It's been on my bucket list, and uh, I talk about the – 
the Mount Rushmore of college basketball venues. And, of course, I've been in Rope Arena many times. I've been to Pauley Pavilion with all the UCLA history. Uh, now I've been to Allen Fieldhouse. I still have to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium. But, uh, yeah, walking in there, just a sense of history and tradition. And uh, I guess I didn't really know what to expect. But uh, once you go in there, you're just kind of all They've got these trophy cases and uh, paraphernalia. They've got one wall with placards of every single Kansas Jayhawk that's ever played, and then when you walk out on the floor, you walk through that little tunnel that says, you know, pay heed, all you who enter, beware the fog, and you're in there, and this place, uh, I mean, it was built in, I think, 1955 or something like that. It mm-hmm. seats 16,500, so capacity-wise, it's not that much less than Rupp is right now, but it just looks so much smaller. Everything's compact, people are on top of each other, and and it was loud in there. I mean, I'm a little bit biased. Uh, it's a different kind of loud. It's a piercing type of loud. I think Rupp Arena has more of a roar to it. But I felt a little bit cheated because I didn't get the full effect of it. Uh, when your team is getting beat down by 20 points, I guess the fans are, are a little bit more silent than usual. Yeah, we got to hear a Go Big Blue a few times out of uh, the uh, upper reaches of Allen Fieldhouse. I love the little area there in the concourse where they have because um, I'm I'm a Gale Sayers fan uh, and they've yeah, he played in Kansas so there's a section I always go look at uh, some of the Gale Sayers memorabilia there's a lot of you know basketball memorabilia obviously and, uh, I'd love to see as they you know go through this uh, you know renovation of, of Rupp to find a way to do something like that at Rupp Arena with maybe some of the items from the old UK Basketball Museum uh, it's a cool feature they have there. Uh, Tom, one thing, I was curious. I, I actually went to this game as a fan. I, I covered the Bengals on an official capacity, but I was here as a Wildcat fan. How long has it been since you've actually been to a Kentucky basketball game as a Wildcat fan and not in your capacity as, as voice of the Wildcats? There was a, there was one game a few years uh, – I, I guess I've started doing games um, to answer your question – in uh, 01-02, but before that, I was always covering the game uh, to get post-game interviews or something. So uh, actually going as a fan would be somewhere back in the middle 80s. But there was uh, one game a few years ago where um, there was a football call-in show at uh, at six, and then an exhibition basketball game at seven. So Darren did the basketball game, and so I did the show with Coach Stoops. And then I went down to Rupp and just – I was sitting wow. on press row, but I wasn't working. So that, was, <laughs> that would qualify, I guess. Uh, um, I forgot what it's like to be a fan. I mean, to be able to actually cheer, to uh, put on your swag, I'm high-fiving other Wildcat fans in the area. We're shouting, go Big Blue, at the top of our lungs. There's nothing more satisfying than to walk into enemy territory, behind enemy lines, and then take somebody's heart. That was a wonderful weekend. If it had just been that, that would have been enough. Uh, Bengals, uh, well, just a quick word on, on them. You cover them all season long, so you're you're not on the bandwagon. You've been there through the, the good times and the bad over the recent years. Um, what is it that, uh, beyond Joe Burrow, obviously he's, the, he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink there, what else made this happen for Cincinnati? Well, the obvious question is the coaching. Zach Taylor, when he came in, uh, there were a lot of people who questioned the hire. He went two and fourteen his first year, four eleven and one his second. There were a lot of people calling for his heads. 
And we're living in a society now where everybody wants everything right now. Give it to me right now. What have you done for me lately? And Zach Taylor even admitted himself that if it were not for the patience of uh, Mike Brown and the Bengals organization, he wouldn't be the coach anymore, that they would have gotten rid of anybody. Any other organization would have gotten rid of him after a couple of years. But they stuck with him. It just goes to show you that if you believe in a person, if you believe in the system, if you just give them a little bit of time, then you're going to be rewarded. Kentucky's finding the same thing that uh, happened with Coach Mark Stoops right now. They're getting rewarded for the benefits of being patient. And in the Bengals' case, you don't get any bigger rewards than going to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56. Here we come. Who day? I've always uh, uh, admired the Steelers from that standpoint. Not a Steelers fan, but just they seem to, they, they know what a good football coach looks like. When they think they found their guy, they stick with him through good times and bad. And so it was like Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin, and uh, they go, they have down times, but they uh, find their way back to the top as well. So you make a good point about patience. John, we're running short on time, unfortunately. So uh, we'll uh, uh, continue this another time and, uh, Talk about uh, maybe that bucket list of arenas, too. Uh, that could be a fun topic. But uh, congrats on the uh, fun trip, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, heck of a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Tom. That's John Wong. And uh, don't forget, a couple of books that John has out. Uh, it's got Kentucky Passion uh, about uh, his uh, following of the Wildcats and also from the Rafters of Rupp, the book he did with Kyle Macy. Uh, so make sure you look for uh, both of those. We'll be right back to close out this edition of The Leech. What? A couple of happy birthdays to former Wildcats. Andre Riddick, Walter McCarty both celebrating birthdays today. Uh, last night in college hoops, number nine Duke beat Notre Dame 57 to 43 in South Bend. Tonight, uh, I think the marquee matchup for Kentucky fans to follow is going to be Alabama at Auburn since the top will host Kentucky on Saturday, and congrats to Casey Wallace and Chris Livingston, both named to the rosters for the Iverson Classic All-Star Game. They earlier were named McDonald's All-Americans. Ben Roberts of the Herald-Leader has a great story up about Casey Wallace at KentuckySports.com. See you tomorrow for game day on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page.